You're listening to Beyond the Ribbon, a podcast of the 24 Hours in the Canyon Cancer Survivorship Center. This podcast is brought to you by Kia of Amarillo, proud member of the Auto Inc. family of dealerships. Be sure to check out their website at kiaofamarillo.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this episode of Beyond the Ribbon. My name is Ryan Parnell, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host and oncology nurse, Pam McMillan. Yes, we're back for another great episode, huh? We are. And, um, I, you know, Pam, I'm loving uh, all of our episodes, but I'm loving hearing from folks when they say, oh, I listened to your Hope Scarves, or oh, I listened to that podcast, and it was so uh, touching, or I learned so much. It feels like maybe we're not just talking to microphones. To microphones <laughs> in the four <laughs> yeah. walls. But, you know, another thing that I really like is repeat guests. Yes. And learning new things that maybe we learn or covered uh, previously. And really, um, in the world of oncology, we all know, especially you guys that are survivors, it's ever-evolving. You know, new treatment options, you know, new modalities, new uh, types of ways to find cancer, just lots of new things. And so uh, in our discussion today, we're going to be talking about a lot of new things, but we're also going to kind of revisit a little bit. So you're right. Uh, uh, about a year ago, we talked um, about genetics and we, yes. we did kind of a genetics 101, understanding genetics. And it's um, very complicated, uh, huh. lots of information. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you and I were surprised about three months ago when we had a visit with a genetic counselor of um, all the new changes. Yes. And really kind of the loosening of the strings, if we will. So I don't want to say too much before we jump in. I'm going to let our expert talk about that. So we're super excited uh, to have um, a previous guest about a year ago, I said, uh, Dominie Mora. She is a certified genetic counselor from the DFW area and has ties to the West Texas area. And we're super, super excited because... This is one of those topics, Domini, that I feel like we could have you on every single year. Sounds like a plan. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is. I mean, ever evolving. I mean, that probably sums up genetics, doesn't it? Genetics is always changing. We're learning more and more every day. There's always a new study or a new medicine or just a new treatment option just based on genetic information that we're learning. So let's start from the beginning. So you say genetics. What does that mean for our survivors? So when we're thinking about genetics, there's the genetics that you're born with, so your inherited genetics, what you've re received from your parents and what you could potentially pass on to your children. And then there's also genetic changes that tumors acquire. So when we're talking about genetic or genomic testing even in cancer, there's that predisposition again, that inherited genetics, genes you might have heard of like BRCA1 and 2. Right. You know, there's multiple other genes like that. Um, and that's helpful to know because if somebody's been diagnosed with cancer, it can tell us what predisposed them to getting that cancer to begin with. But also it can tell us what their future risks for cancer are. And then it can also help family members. Yes. And now we also know it can help with treatment options. So there's so many ways learning the inherited status, genetic status can be helpful. Um, but there's also genetic testing of tumors as well, which can help determine treatment, treatment options. Yeah. And that might not implicate family members as much or second cancer risks or tell somebody why they got cancer, but it can definitely help the oncologist determine what treatment options are best in that patient's scenario. So as you're talking about genetics and how it can um, evolve for families, um, that sounds like a big old can of worms opening. It can be. 
you know, but I think the people who um, are motivated to learn this information do find it empowering when we're learning what can predispose someone or what has predisposed someone to cancer and what those future risks are. People can take action with that information. They can start some screenings earlier. Mm -hmm. They can be more frequent and intentional with those screenings. You know, if somebody's kind of fallen off a little bit, like, oh, wow, I really need to get back in. Like with COVID, right? People kind of fell Mm -hmm. off. Then making Mm -hmm. sure people are doing whatever they need to be doing to reduce that risk. So although I think it can seem a little intimidating or, like you said, maybe Pandora's box, can of worms. Um, When I was in clinic and meeting with patients, I think most people just found it empowering and they were glad to have answers. Yeah, it seems like the more you know, right? There Mm -hmm. there was that old commercial, you know, the more you know. And and in this case, I feel like... um, I'm not a cancer survivor. And, you know, Pam, we've talked about that. Like, what would you do and how would you do? And that's really hard to say. But I feel like I've knowing myself kind of a numbers person and really have a curious brain. I feel like I'd want to know all of this um, in addition to everything else, because you're right. Part of it, it's kind of twofold. One, it hinges on maybe what my treatment might be, but it also hinges on how I can maybe help my kiddos and my grandkids and so forth be aware and educated and even figure out, you know, if they are predisposed. That's exactly right. I'd say when people are coming forward to learn their genetic information or their inherit, you know, to see if their cancer's mm. inherited or genetic that way, that's probably the number one motivation to yes. reduce the risk or prevent in family members. So oftentimes whenever I see patients and they say, well, none of my families have it. Why should I get genetic testing? Um, and then we have criteria when mm-hmm. somebody's eligible for genetic testing, you know, and it has gotten to be uh, casting a wider net now than we used to cast when we offer genetic testing. But uh, people should consider genetic testing, I guess, if or can consider genetic testing when there's enough going on in the family. So for example, if someone had lung cancer in their 60s, that's much less likely to be hereditary or passed on in the family than someone who might have had breast cancer in their 40s. Yeah. So just talking through those kind of criteria first and then the benefits of that. So, so what I'm hearing is the thing to do is if you are going through treatment or beginning to start treatment is ask. <laughs> ask about genetics. I mean, that's probably the simplest and the safest thing to do, right? You, we, I can hear some of our listeners thinking, I got to know all of this in addition to the side effects of my this mm-hmm. and my that, and I got to have media, you know, this. and that. Maybe the simplest, is that right, Dominique? The simplest and safest thing, we're going to talk about more in depth mm-hmm. so they're educated, but the simplest and safest thing is to, for them to ask. Definitely. Letting your doctor know that you're interested in learning more. So is there genetic testing for all types of cancer or just certain ones? Certain types of cancers are more likely to be genetic and hereditary being passed on. So the genetic testing that we offer these days is universal to all those types of cancers. Um, But it's just someone's not as likely to test positive for one of those gene mutations unless they have one of those types of cancers that's more likely to be hereditary. So which ones are typically genetically tested? Breast, ovarian colon or colorectal, let's say, prostate, pancreatic, and endometrial are some of those core cancers. But sometimes there are some more rare cancer types like medullary thyroid cancer or sarcoma. So there are definitely some other more rare kinds of cancers that can also indicate a need for genetic testing. So just because you don't have what you would consider like the big two, right, Mm -hmm. breast and, and prostate, 
um, or, you know, colorectal. a, a colorectals, you know, typically in our top five as well, there, there are tests available for those. Correct. And then, uh, you know, the interesting thing too is, is just because, you know, I, I think you drove this point home just because you have breast cancer doesn't mean it's, it's going to be hereditary. You're not, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a smaller percentage but, you know, in the grand scheme of things, when you have so many people who are diagnosed with breast or, bre- or diagnosed with prostate, it, it appears to be very genetically passed on. Yes, there's that possibility because breast cancer is a fairly common cancer mm-hmm. just in the general population. There is a chance that there could just be breast cancer in a family that just happens to be there and is not hereditary. And I know, too, Pam, we've talked about this where we say, oh, so-and-so has breast cancer and their mom had breast cancer and so-and-so had it. And it's completely not hereditary or genetic. And so that just because it it does run in your family, too, correct, does not necessarily mean. That's correct. But you're not going to know unless unless you you go forward and consider the testing. Very good point. Yes. Yes. But what if I'm a survivor that had breast breast cancer, but I only have a male child? Why should I get tested? It's a very good question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So breast cancer, while it's more likely to happen in women, when it is genetic, men do have an increased risk of breast cancer. I don't know if y'all remember about three, four years ago, um, a famous person, Beyonce, Mm -hmm. her dad came out with male breast cancer. I did not know yes, that. Yes, and he ended up being positive for one of these breast cancer genes. So that raised some awareness for a while, at least, you know, sure. it made it splash in the news. But men have an increased risk of breast cancer when there's a genetic change, but also men have an increased risk of prostate and pancreatic cancer. That's linked back to the gene for breast cancer. Correct, right? correct. So mm-hmm. you guys listening... You're already confused. <laughs> maybe that's just you. Oh, maybe it's just me. <laughs> it is so deep. It is so deep, which is why it's so important for us to talk about this. But it's why it's so important that, as we've said, and you'll hear us probably say it a couple more times, or at least I will, just to belabor the point of being your best advocate and advocating for yourself to have this done. Because, um, while I would like to think, and I think our survivors, many of them probably say, my doctor never brought up genetics or my nurse never brought up genetics. That's because you need to bring it up. And so um, they're, they're focused on a lot of views, right? There's, there's a whole lot of people that they're working with. So it's important to bring that up. Um, but that, that's very interesting. I never thought about that, Pam, uh, a, a woman with breast cancer and a male child. Yeah. It gets brought up. I remember when I was in clinic, there were some people who came up to me or weren't sure that genetic testing would be beneficial for their family because they only had sons. Mm-hmm. But I think helping them understand the benefit to other family members, to the males in the family was also helpful. And then what if those males have daughters? Right. Yes. Yes. Right. So um, maybe we have some listeners that did not get um, genetic testing done. Has there been any changes in who can get tested for breast or colorectal or prostate recently? So guidelines are ever evolving. Right now, we uh, a lot of oncologists go by national guidelines that are out there, as do insurance companies and labs that offer these tests. <clears throat> Re- somewhat recently, it was <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, <laughs> that all patients with invasive breast cancer consider testing, and even some patients with non-invasive breast cancer can get genetic testing. But just last fall, there was a guideline change by the NCCN Guideline Committee stating that all patients with colorectal cancer can consider getting genetic testing done regardless of their age, 
of diagnosis stage or family history. Let's go back to that first statement. Invasive breast cancer. Yeah. Anyone can get genetic testing. Correct. That has changed. So if you're listening and it didn't get genetic testing, ask your physician at your next appointment. Or make an appointment. Yeah. If you can make an appointment to ask your physician, that that's interesting. Is and I, this may be an unfair question to ask you, but why are the uh, requirements lessening a little bit? I think we're realizing uh, the requirements have probably lessened because we, as a community, a medical community, genetics community, have realized that we're missing patients. You know that okay, well, uh, traditionally when these genes were discovered, we were seeing the patients with a super fong- strong family histories really young ages of diagnosis. But now that we've been offering testing for longer, we're realizing that some of these cancer diagnoses are being diagnosed later in life, maybe Mm -hmm. in the 60s or 70s. So they don't look like your typical families or the family structure is so small, you're not going to see that additional family history. Mm -hmm. So it's not always clear that it looks like it's genetic. So it just helps to go ahead and offer it. And then also now that we have treatment options associated with some of these genetic predispositions, I think it's making it like, okay, well, if we know this information, then maybe we can offer this other treatment. Yeah. If this, then that. Mm-hmm. Wow. Because, you know, Pam, I, I remember when we first talked about genetics with Dominique last year, that wasn't the case. Right. It was not the case. Um, and so, you know, that is a huge benefit for breast. Now, the other one I think you mentioned that it was different is colon. Uh, can we talk about what's new and different uh, with our colon cancer survivors and colon cancer patients. Yes, let's do that. So what it, it's, it's more accessible uh, for colon survivors um, it, as they're diagnosed to have colon um, genetic testing done now than before, correct? It is, but I'd also say it's way under, under recommended, u- underutilized. Uh, underutilized. Definitely. There was an article that just came out yesterday saying probably only – 25% or so are getting, maybe even less, are getting genetic testing, even though they're meeting criteria. Wow. So what is the criteria? Let's remind everybody for colon. For colorectal cancer, it's really any age of diagnosis or even any stage and regardless of family history. So, so you have colon cancer. You qualify. You qualify. Colon or rectal, either one. Colorectal. That, it doesn't get much simpler than that to understand. So what if they um, go to their oncologist? Maybe I should rephrase that. Who do they need to contact to get that genetic testing done? Whoever their physician is. It might be a medical oncologist. Mm-hmm. might be a radiation oncologist that sure. they're seeing a surgeon, primary care doctor, gastroenterologist. But I'd say medical oncologists are probably the most familiar with these guidelines and offering these types of tests. And so once they, how difficult is the test? Physically, it's um, a small tube of blood or a saliva sample, either one. That's it. And then let's talk about cost. Is it, you know, when I was at my previous employer, that was a big Oh, I remember those days. I remember those days. Where people wouldn't get genetic testing because it costs so much. And it was all out of pocket, Pam. Mm -hmm. Cost has definitely gotten a lot better. Most of the major laboratories um, have great contracts with insurance companies. Medicare, Medicaid have great criteria that mirror NCCN guidelines. Mm -hmm. So if the guidelines are stating to do it now, these insurance companies are mirroring those guidelines as well. And a lot of the labs have lower cost options and financial assistance. So if I'm hearing you correctly, 
uh, it has gotten easier. It's gotten cheaper and it's underutilized and we need to be screaming, get genetic testing done. Ask your doctor to the top of the mountain. Exactly right. The number one reason people don't get genetic testing done is not cost. It's not insurance. It's not fear. It's that no one's ever recommended it to them. Yeah. Wow. Mm. And, and, and here's the thing, Dominique. You correct me if I'm wrong. Our physicians, your physician, whoever's listening, they're aware of genetic testing. Correct. They are. And it, I, I don't want, I, I, what I'm, what I'm, where I'm getting with this is don't go beating up your doctor, right. <laughs> you know, Be, but because like I said earlier, there's a lot of you, um, you know, they're seeing 15, 20, 30, I don't know how many patients they're seeing in a day, whatever that is. Um, they're caring for you in that moment and they're moving on to the next doctor. We know that that's the status of medical um, care right now. But also, you know, the guidelines when you were diagnosed may have been different. And, exactly. and they may you have. May yeah. Exactly right. So that's what I'm saying. When you go say, I, I need to ask, write this down for your next appointment. You know, we've always said, take notes, write notes, questions you're going to ask so you don't forget when you get in the doctor's office. Genetics. That ought to be big, red, circled, underlined, bold, markered, sharpied, whatever highlighted you want to do. Ask about genetics. Um, and chances are there's a genetic counselor or a nurse, someone who's done testing and, and, and learned and, and trained to do this there at your campus. And so if there's not, then uh, they've got a way to figure it out because they're doing it already. Right, right. There are resources. And I'd say... Your doctors are also very busy thinking about treatments, imaging, scans, labs. They're always thinking one step ahead, right? And they're thinking, what can I do for my patient mm-hmm. as far as reducing, you know, future cancer or catching a recurrence as early as possible? So if the criteria have changed and they didn't catch someone maybe getting genetic testing at diagnosis, it just sometimes gets forgotten with all the other sure. things that come up at follow up. Or as Pam said, you were diagnosed a while back, mm-hmm. you know, you're a 10 year survivor or something. And, you know, it was never an option and you haven't been to your doctor in a while. Uh, maybe it's time to do a follow-up visit and then bring this up. Mm-hmm. So what about um, those listeners that may not be survivors, but they have a terrible family history of cancer? They can get genetic testing done as well. So when we're talking about genetic testing for, Cancer survivors, yes, there's an automatic diagnosis in play, maybe some family history. But if somebody doesn't have a cancer diagnosis and just has a family history, there are criteria for those individuals to meet to get that genetic testing paid for as well. Yeah. So again, it goes to being educated about your family, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. asking the questions hey, mom, hey, grandma, all of those questions. And what do they need to know? They need to know the type of cancer someone had. Correct. And the date of, or not date, but year of, how old they were at diagnosis? Approximate age of diagnosis. So if you know, for example, mom had breast cancer in her 40s, and you might remember that because you were in high school at that time, Mm -hmm. right? As opposed to mom having breast cancer in her 80s, where you were, your kids were in high school at that time. So I think it helps to kind of at least have a frame of an age, even if you don't know the exact age. That's good. So who do they request that from? So just obtaining family history just directly from whoever's in Mm -hmm. front of you, no one has to go and confirm those records. We're just going on whatever that patient's able to tell us in front of them. But they don't have an oncologist. Who, what physician would they turn to to ask about um, genetic testing? 
So many imaging centers, so breast centers are offering genetic testing now. Mm -hmm. A lot of OB-GYN offices are offering this type of testing now. And if you go to your primary care doctor and they're not comfortable with that, some oncology offices will also, or surgeons offices, will offer this type of treatment or this type of testing, even if uh, their primary care doctor won't. There are genetic counseling services online that people can go to as well if there's not any genetic counseling in the community. Yeah, I would venture to say that um, this does not have to be a face-to-face visit. Not necessarily. Like, I mean, if you if you live in Timbuktu and there's not anyone doing genetics in, in, in your town, um, why couldn't you reach out to a, a, a certified genetic counselor like yourself or someone who's in a, in a, a clinic operating as a, a, a genetics and, and, and work with them? I mean, as long as your insurance... Uh, covers it and, you know, works that way. So that's a good opportunity, again, um, to take advantage of this and and not have it as, well, there's not one here in my town. But Mm -hmm. five people in my family have had cancer and you just kind of bury your head in the sand. Right. You wouldn't necessarily have to travel. And with with COVID, it was a benefit of COVID, I guess, that we do have more telegenetic services out there now. Yeah. We have to look at the benefits, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. There are some holdovers that's really good. Yeah. So we know about breast and colorectal. Is there any other diagnosis that has changed for genetic testing? So just to bring this up, it hasn't changed, but anybody who's had ovarian cancer automatically qualifies for genetic testing. And that's been around for over 10 years, that criteria. Pancreatic cancer's only been in the last few years. That's been in our criteria. Automatic. Automatic metastatic prostate cancer, and now endometrial cancer under, under age 65. So ovarian, pancreatic, and endometrial under 65, mm-hmm. and then metastatic prostate, mm-hmm. all qualify. Yes. All breast, all colorectal. Do you feel wow. like before long everybody will be? genetic tested? I think we're headed there, at least for some of these core cancers. I think we're definitely headed there. It now, appears that way. Yeah, we're, we're getting there. Even with a cancer like head and neck type cancers and lung cancers, there are studies out there uh, attempting to learn more if there are a little bit higher risks for genetic predisposition and then with costs coming down and more mm-hmm. genes being available. I think we're headed to all solid cancers being oh. offered genetic testing in the near future. Well, it's just so the beauty of medicine. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's ever evolving and it sounds, it's so neat to see that, um, of course we're not saying stagnant with, with medicine and, and with cancer treatment, but that there's hope, you know, there's hope for, um, loosening the strings. There's hope for the lower cost. There's hope for, um, you know, that rare cancer that, you know, very few people have, um, to prevent that from potentially or, or alert your loved ones, especially your children, mm-hmm. uh, to make them aware. Definitely. You're not going to do it for yourself, but do it for your kids. Amen. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Sometimes when we look at things that way, it's a little bit easier to open up that. Sure. <laughs> sure it is. Sure it is. Domini, is there anything else going on in the world of genetics that might be of interest? Um, we touched on this a little while ago. But the area of precision medicine, just in general, so when we're talking about genetic testing for the tumor, so we talked about like ovarian cancer, for example, every ovarian cancer is eligible for germline or hereditary cancer testing. Every ovarian cancer patient should also get tumor testing regardless of their 
stage. Like if they're getting chemo, they mm-hmm. should be getting, or considering treatments, they should be getting tumor testing because that can really open the door to other type of treatment options that they wouldn't have otherwise. So being more knowledgeable about the tumor leads to different treatment options because the studies have proven that this medicine works best with that kind of tumor. Exactly. And that type of genetic mutation in that tumor. Right. And that's been going on for a long time, right, with breast. For breast, it's been going on for a while, and but we're seeing more and more go along with some of these other cancer types now, too, like ovarian, endometrial, um, pancreatic cancer even, colorectal. We're seeing all kinds of um, precision medicine, medicine options being available. So I think if a provider is talking to a patient about genetic testing that's hereditary, it can also really be helpful to talk about genetic testing of the tumor as well. Yeah. So fascinating. God. It's almost Star Trekish, you know? <laughs> I mean, it really is. And I felt that way. I think I may have used that analogy once before when we talked about um, uh, doing a bone marrow transplant, you know, and that how, how almost that's kind of like Star Trekish. But the more it goes back to that the more you know about what's going on, um, the better educated everyone is. It's just so I cool. I feel like you need to play that little music there. Doom, doom, doom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Back in the day. I know, I know. Um, it, it, I would imagine, too, uh, there, there's no shortage of, as you've been talking about research, there's no shortage of research in genetics um, and how that translates in. Has there been any other interesting studies or anything that you've seen recently uh, in regards to genetics and whether that's treatment or whether that is, and I'm putting you on the spot, but is there, has there been anything that you go, Ooh, this is really cool. I think it's pretty exciting that we're getting to a point where we're for colorectal cancer, for example, they can do these, um, tests on the colorectal cancer and they can offer this immunotherapy based on a genetic characteristic of that colorectal cancer. Mm-hmm. And they're able to offer that, and then they can monitor that also by a certain kind of blood test. So maybe in the future, patients might not even need radiation and surgery for rectal cancer. Wow. Wow. That's what I was hoping to hear. Something like that. That's exactly what I was hoping to hear. And we're getting there, and those studies are out there. They're not for mainstream yet but, but those studies yep are coming out and we're getting that data and hopefully, hopefully we'll be there soon my father-in-law recently went through colorectal cancer and he you know has had surgery and we've seen firsthand how that affects quality of life sure. he's a survivor now yes but so much of what's so difficult is afterwards the oh. year after the months after and everything that we have to deal with you know mm-hmm. in the subsequent months and so by targeted therapy mm-hmm. in this case potentially could remove the necessary surgery to be done. Yeah, it makes me think if his, I mean, he's 80-something years old, but if he'd have been diagnosed maybe five years later, Uh not that his cancer would be five years later, but just say five years in the future with technology, who knows how that could have changed things. That's exciting. It's very exciting. So all the more reason for us to have Domini on as a regular guest. (laughs) (laughs) Same, same, uh, Month, same. Yeah, same time day. next time, next yeah. year, next year. I mean, but who knows, Pam? I mean, she's going to leave today after talking with us, and tomorrow there's probably something brand new in genetics. I mean, that's how fast it's happening. So true. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so I think we need a little review for our listeners. If you've been diagnosed with invasive breast cancer, colorectal cancer, you qualify for genetic testing. Prostate uh, has to be metastatic. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me think about the other ones, pancreatic and endometrial and ovarian. 
pancreatic and ovarian can be any age as well. And endometrial right now is 60, 65. 65. Under yes. 65. One other thing. Uh, melanoma, do they qualify? Melanoma adds to the picture of it being genetic, but most guidelines and insurance companies don't take it into consideration. But we do see it along with several genetic syndromes. Wow. Ron, I think I've learned a whole lot today. Oh, How about you? I have too. I have too. I hope our listeners have. I do. You know, and I think we've already covered their homework, Pam. They've yes. got they've got some asking to do of their relatives, if that's the case. Uh, and they've got to uh, either schedule an appointment with their doctor mm-hmm. to ask about genetics or ask about genetics at your next appointment. Absolutely. Period. And that's easy homework. <laughs> Super easy. Just have to um, be your own advocate and ask. That's right. So that leads us to our last um, segment. It is our Auto Inc. Inspiring Moment. Do you have an inspiring moment that you can share with us? Not that you haven't already. (laughs) (laughs) Um, One thing that comes to mind is when in my job now, I come across all kinds of family histories and patients that are testing positive and seeing different scenarios. And one thing that just stands out to me is that I'm seeing some of these individuals who were diagnosed with breast cancer maybe 20 years ago, and they were never offered genetic testing, or they weren't offered update genetic testing. And then fortunately, I get to see that they were diagnosed with a subsequent breast cancer, or then diagnosed with ovarian cancer. Mm -hmm. So I'd really like to avoid seeing those family histories and those kinds of positives come across my desk. So what I'd really like to see is that Providers are recognizing patients before they get that second or third cancer. Right. Proactive. Very proactive. So I'd say let's inspire people to try to be more, like you were saying, proactive and aware, and let's prevent those second cancers. I I don't know anybody who would argue with you and say, but I want a second cancer. I (laughs) want to go through this again. And I, I don't mean that to be snide or funny, but in all seriousness, what you just said, um, I'm so glad that was your inspiring moment because I hope, as you said, that it inspires, no pun on the word, each and every one of you listening that fall into these categories that have not had genetic testing to get it done. Absolutely. I mean, Pam, I would love it if we never saw another person here. I know. I'd be glad if I didn't have a job. I, me too. I would Same gladly <laughs> find something else. Same here. Um, and, I, and I think anybody who's in the, the oncology world um, would say the exact same thing. Um, so why not take that step and and ask about genetics if you've not been tested? Dominie, thank you so much. Wow. Um, lots to digest here. As we've, as we've said on numerous occasions, Pam, it's like, we get it. You're going to need to go back, push, pause, rewind, take your notes, those kinds of things. Um, but the most simplest thing that you can do is again, be your own best advocate and ask questions. And then share this podcast with somebody that absolutely might need genetic yeah. testing. Yeah. I mean, what a simple way to just share the link. Post it on your Facebook. Mm-hmm. Share it with someone. I guarantee you there's someone that follows you on social media who needs to hear this. Absolutely. So, Dominique, thank you again for joining us um, in very, very educational and very enlightening. I know this is your world, and it's 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 every day to you. Um, but I mean, like to us, especially me, as I always say, non-clinical over here, it's really like powerful. I mean, it hit me like a ton of bricks, how, how easier it is now just in a year. Mm-hmm. Thanks so for having me. We really appreciate that. Pam, I, I always walk away from these episodes 
very educated or re-educated. Yes. We can share the news. That's right. That's right. Well, thank you guys for joining us for this episode. As Pam said, please share this episode with uh, your loved ones on your social media. Uh, there's got, we want to spread the word and, and, and remind folks to follow up on genetics and follow up on their health and be engaged in those discussions with their families uh, and educated so that it can prevent second cancers. It can prevent cancers down the line in your genetic family. And uh, no one wants that. No. That's right. Well, again, thank you guys for joining us and be sure to join us next time for another great episode of Beyond the Ribbon. Thanks again for listening to Beyond the Ribbon. We'd like to extend a special thanks to the Auto Inc. family of dealerships as they have supported the 24 Hours in the Canyon Cancer Survivorship Center since 2016. For more information on the Cancer Survivorship Center, please visit our website at 24survivorship.org.